Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49er faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I am Zaynakvi, as always, with Al Sacco. And man, that was a rough loss to the New Orleans Saints. Nothing like the game last year where it came down to the wire. It was just one of those things where the Niners came out very, very aggressive. They looked really good for two drives. Kyle Shannon was really great with his play calls. And I'm like, man, I just hope that they can keep this up the entire game. Because if, if they can and keep up the same rhythm, the Niners will win this game. It was a winnable game for a while, it looked like. And then the wheels kind of fell off out, didn't they? We don't normally record on a Sunday. We normally record later in the week. But Zane and I are both pretty fired up right now. And listen, here's my thing. We know there's injuries. And I've been from a mountaintop saying this year is tough to judge. There's been injuries, this, that, and the other thing. Let me say this to everyone listening right now. This was a winnable game. The 49ers did not lose this because of injuries. They lost it because they played like shit. That's why they lost the game. The defense, complete pass. The defense played gutsy. The defense played strong. The defense got tired. And the defense was put in bad positions by awful special teams play. Awful special teams play that muffed kicks that allowed big returns. They were put in bad positions by awful QB play once again. How many times have we said it? Bad quarterback play from this franchise. I'm done. I've been supported Nick Mullins. I'm done. Nick Mullins is garbage. I thought Nick Mullins, after a 23-year-old undrafted rookie, would take the next step after a few years in Kyle Shannon's offense. He would prove something to us. Yeah, he's proved that he doesn't. he's not an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have the arm. He gets flustered. He's garbage. The offensive line is atrocious. 60% of it needs to be replaced, other than Tomlinson and Williams. And we'll get to the right tackle who the number you spent the number nine pick on and can't pass block, who has not been an anchor in a time of need at all. And a stubborn offensive approach, a hard-headed offensive approach that gave Jarek McKinnon almost 20 touches. What about Kyle Juszczyk? What are you paying him for? You're giving Jarek McKinnon 20 touches? On fourth and one, you're giving the ball to Jarek McKinnon? What happened to the guy who last year when you played the Saints, who you're running an end around and throwing a bomb with Emmanuel Sanders and you're handing the ball off to Juszczyk and he's pitching it to Mostert? And yeah, okay, you say, well, Al, well, they don't have those guys anymore. So what? Try it with other, run it with other players. See what you can do with other guys. You're not, at this point, who cares? Just, would you score 13 points today? Could do anything after you went off script. Nothing, nothing. If you're frustrated as a Niners fan where you're about to get your fifth 10-loss 10, 10 season in six years, Five, I don't care about injuries. That's an issue. And listen, we've all been, again, defending Kyle Shanahan. We all like Kyle Shanahan. But at some point, Kyle has to prove that he can win when he doesn't have his best players. He doesn't have to be an 11-5 and five coach. But he's got to pull some of these games out when he doesn't have his best players. He's pulling none of them out, Zane. None. And you know me, Al. I've been critical of Kyle on and off over the past couple of years. And especially on Twitter. And people criticize that and they're like, oh, well, you hate Kyle Shanahan. I don't hate Kyle Shanahan, but the difference is, Al, he has to get better and he has to improve. This is a carbon copy of 2017, carbon copy of 2018, with the exception that with Jimmy Garoppolo, the only quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has proven that he can win with, look, Jimmy's limited. We know this. We know this now. And I, I am also agreeing that Jimmy will be gone by the end of this, this year and they can, they can upgrade. I, will agree, I have completely agreed with that. However, Kyle Shanahan has to prove that he can win with somebody not named Jimmy Garoppolo. 
He's won five games in his career, in his coaching career, without Jimmy. And these are extended periods of time. Jimmy missed an entire, basically the entire full season. He's missed most of this season. And he was out. He was not with the 49ers for the most of Kyle Shanahan's first season. And Kyle Shanahan has won five games without Jimmy Garoppolo and dropped over 20. Like, you would think that he would win a couple just by accident. Like, the ball bounces your way or your quarterback completes a pass or you dial up a big play to win a game. Like, no. He's consistently losing with guys that are not named Jimmy Garoppolo. And Alwood, there's smoke, there's fire. And to me, that's a huge red flag. It's like, can you do that? Can you win with anybody besides him? Because you're probably going to have to do that next year. And when it comes to the rest of the team, like, look, you have to be the type of head coach that wins when the chips are down. When your team is injured, when you don't have an elite defense, when you don't have your players there, you have to find a way to win. And they don't do that. They've never done that under Kyle Shanahan. The only time he's ever won anything is when things are going great for him, when he has an elite defense or an offense that's clicking on all cylinders like it was last year. Like you just like you can't you can't think that this is gonna be the the status quo going forward and that the Niners are actually gonna go anywhere because things are not gonna be perfect like they were last year. And I know that like, yeah, the defense was was out, but you still had an offensive unit that was mostly healthy and that an offensive line that played together the entire season. And when you don't have that, you have to prove that you can win. And Kyle Shannon has never proven that. So the questions I have, like, there's, there's, there's now a distinct divide now amongst 49ers fans. There's a people that are starting to question Kyle Shanahan and his coaching ability, rightfully so. Not saying he's a bad coach, but saying, hey, I want to see you do this. Like, I'm not saying you're a bad coach. I think Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach. However, I want to see him perform in certain situations so that he can improve and become a great head coach and become a, a dynastic head coach, a guy that's here that's winning multiple championships. That's what I want out of him. That's what I hope that we are going to get out of him. But if he doesn't improve on these little things, he's not going to get there. Like we talk about how the Niners are competitive in, in all these games and things like that. It's com- great. Competitive is nice, but like we have to get beyond that bar now. Like this is Kyle Shand. <laughs> We're entering year five after this year. Like you have to, after uh-huh. this year is done, basically people give him a pass for this year. Fine. They're injured, whatever. But then next year you're going into year five. And on top of that, if you hit the QB reset button, you basically wave the white flag for the next year too if it's a rookie because no rookie's ever gone to and won the Super Bowl. I mean, crazy things happen in today's NFL, so maybe, maybe it'll happen. But you have to justify that when you're, when you're basically wasting away the primes of George Kittle and Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and these guys that are coming out in Debo that are literally in the prime of their careers mostered that are ready to win a championship now and you're going to be developing a quarterback. Like, you eventually have to find that guy. You eventually have to win these games. And as a team for the 49ers, you can't, you can't keep regressing back to what you were. You have to eventually get beyond that and be like, okay, well, the chips are down and we may not be 100%, but we're going to win. Gritty teams do that. Gutsy teams do that. Like, Al, a Pete Carroll team, if they are injured and they are down and they have guys out, you will never see them roll over and die. You will always see them compete. They come to play every single week, no matter what. And that's what a really good head coach does for you. And that's what the Niners aren't doing right now. They, they come out like several times this year. They've, this, year this game was not it. They, they came out, they, they hit him in the mouth. It was awesome. And I was like, fantastic. Kyle has a great game plan. He started out great. I want to see this throughout the whole game. And one of the things that does encourage me that, takes me off of the ledge. It's like, okay, Kyle can call that kind of game that he called at the beginning where your ball control and you're mat- meticulously kind of moving the ball down the field and you have a rhythm to your offense. He can call ta- that type of game if he wants. And I want to see that going forward. And he gets, a, gets his guys back. But Al, like, I'm with you. 
they have to win these games somehow. And, and you look at these great head coaches and somebody you compared him to, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've, we've talked off the show and you've, you've said, is he Norv Turner? I don't know. And it's, that's what we have to look at is Kyle Shanahan. I'm not compare him to, going to compare him to Bill Walsh by any stretch of the imagination, but can he be a Sean Payton or is he a North Turner? What, what is he? Do we know when you look at some of these great coaches, you met up, you, you brought up Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's had one 10 loss season in 15 years. One, mm-hmm. his first one with the Jets. Let's look at, and I'm going to do this as we're on the sh- show here. Mike, Mike Tomlin, he's ever had a 10 loss season. He hasn't. Mike Tomlin had no QB last year. Still won eight and eight. Right, still found ways to win. The Steelers as a franchise, we're going to look at. We say the Niners, right? At least for me, I know maybe some of the younger Niners fans aren't used to the winning, but for me, you know, I was a kid in, in the in the glory years and everything like that, and I just, I don't know, I just expect more out of this franchise. Maybe I should stop. But the Niners, like we said, if they lose ten games this year, it's going to be the fifth time in six years, which is unfathomable. Steelers, you would say Zane, probably the Steelers are one of the probably the one of the top franchises, right? Yeah, I would say so. That. When a, they haven't lost ten games since two thousand and three, and one, two, three, four, you'd have to go all the way back to nineteen sixty nine to get five ten loss seasons with the Steelers. The Niners may be on their way to to five in the last six years. This is the San Francisco Forty ers Okay, the epitome of sports in the eighties and nineties. Okay. And I know they're injured this year, but I'm again, I, I'm not doing that. When you have a game like this that you should have won, this was not a well-coached game other than Robert Sala. Special teams, offense, didn't look good. The QB play, we talked about the development of Kyle. We want to see Kyle Shanahan develop a quarterback. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins are taking steps back, back. So look, Shanahan to me, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. I don't think he is. But next year is a big year. Because if they don't win next year, and I'm not saying the Super Bowl, but if they're not a 10-win team, a playoff team next year, the year after that, we got to start wondering, guys, what, what, what are we doing here? What, what, what are we doing here? Because right now it's really frustrating. And, and we're going to start to break this game down, Zane. And I want to start off with, with, I guess, with the running backs, okay? The whole Jarek McKinnon thing, which was an atrocious signing by this team, atrocious. It's like to me, I don't know, like your dad, I don't know, he, he buys like a, a shitty lawnmower that doesn't work. And he's been trying to get it work for to work for five years. And you're like, Dad, why do you keep trying to use that lawnmower? It doesn't work. And he's like, Oh, I paid a lot of money for it. That's where I felt Jerry McKinnon was today. 19 touches? 19, he had 51 yards on 19 touches. They have given him the ball and given him the ball and given him the ball. And don't tell me, don't tell me they didn't have anyone else to give it to. Because you could have gotten hasty in there before he got hurt. You could have given him some touches. And, and another person I thought who would be more involved, Zane, is Kyle Juszczyk. Why are you paying him this money if you don't give him the ball? And you said, well, Al, what are you going to do with him? Well, well Juszczyk has averaged two touches a game since the Niners got him in three and a half years. Would you say the Niners knew what they were doing in the late 80s and early 90s in offense? I would. You look at a guy like Tom Rathman, came in the league in 1986, his rushing carries every year, 33, 62, 102, 79, 101, 63, 57, 19 in his last season. His receptions. 13, 30, 42, 73, 48, 34, 44, 10 in his last season. He was a big part of the offense. He was involved. He averaged seven touches a game during his time with the 49ers. Eustex is averaging two. Get him involved. Get creative. Get other people involved. Don't hand the ball to Jerick McKinnon over and over and over again. I'm an offensive line that can't block it right now anyway. 
get creative. And that was my thing too. Just the game plan, if there was one past that initial script, it seemed like it was just Jer- Jerick McKinnon. I didn't get it, Zane. I just didn't get it. Yeah. And going back to your comment about Norb Turner. So Norb Turner, basically for people who don't know, was the old Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator back when they had the triplets of Troy Aikman and, and uh, Irvin and Emmett Smith. And he got a job with the Washington franchise as a head coach. Uh, couldn't find a quarterback over there because they drafted Heath Schuler and then uh, Schuler didn't work out. And then they picked up Gus Farad. Gus Farad didn't work out. And then eventually North Turner got fired, was uh, offensive coordinator for a little bit uh, with the various teams, including the 49ers in 2006, the year that Frank Gore had six, uh, 1,600 yards rushing. Um, and eventually went to the, I believe it was the Chargers and had, I believe he had like one good year. He had 13 3 year. Um, and eventually he got fired from there too. So the deal with North Turner was that everybody thought that he was a really brilliant offensive mind, which he was, and he was, he was one of the best uh, of all time in terms of offensive coordinator, uh, and, and being able to design plays. And they thought that that would, that would translate to being a head coach. And very quickly people realized that there's more to being a head coach than just being a good offensive mind. And I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan's on this, on this path. But what I am saying is that he needs to improve so that he doesn't end up on this path. And that includes play calling in the game. Like there and, and Al, like we're, we, we deal with people that defend Kyle Shanahan to no end on, on Twitter. And we see them and I call them Shanna fans because <laughs> they'll, they'll defend literally anything and everything he does. Right. So I'm not even really interested in debating with those people because it's like, look, it's a team game. And if injuries are an excuse for the head coach, they're an excuse for the players too when they play poorly because those are the guys that actually execute the play. So if a guy himself is hurt, it's an excuse. If you're going to, if you're going to make it trickle all the way up to the head coach, it's an excuse for everybody or it's an excuse for nobody. Okay. We don't, we don't do that where it's just, okay, these people are excused, but the other guys aren't. So the whole idea that, that injuries are an excuse for Kyle Shanahan, but not the players is garbage to me. This is garbage. So regardless of what's going on, like, Injuries should not dictate you taking Kyle Juszczyk out of the game plan. Injuries should not dictate you running a half rollout, throwback to the middle of the field to Brandon Ayuk at the first down stick when you could have just literally QB sneaked it for a first down or called any other play that's a quick hitting play, a quick out, a little button hook, anything that you could have called that was a better play than that. Even if you wanted to use that as a two down play, run it up the middle, and if you don't get it, you can still run a second play. Instead, they try a gun run, which does not work with Jarek McKinnon, your lightest running back, with Jarek McKinnon, and you try to get your first down that way. Not surprisingly, the New Orleans Saints, who have probably seen that play 10 times this year already on film, because we've seen it as 49ers fans, saw it in the Seattle game, except it was a, it was a, a quick wildcat play that didn't work. We saw it in uh, the, the uh, Miami game where they tried to hand it to McKinnon on fourth, fourth and one early in that game. It didn't work. We've seen Kyle Shanahan run gun, run gun runs unsuccessfully. So you don't think that the Saints are being paid to watch this too? So that's my issue is that you have to be able to, when your back is up against the wall, you have to be able to pull out creative plays and do what it takes to win. Like They're still in the mix, believe it or not, for the playoffs. And before this game, again, it was a winnable game. And if you got this game, you're above 500, going in your bye, Mostert's coming back, Coleman's coming back, Sherman's coming back. You have a bunch of reinforcements coming back after the bye. You needed to have this game to, to, in order to make the playoffs. And people are saying, oh, Zane, playoffs, come on, they're not a bad team. Look, it doesn't matter. We're not tanking 
for a draft pick here. There's no safe thing in the draft this year. There is no Trevor look, Trevor Lawrence. We talk about QBs. Trevor Lawrence is the only safe thing to me in this draft. The other quarterbacks are question marks. And I will not tank for a question mark. I'm sorry. I will not tank at all. But I will not tank for a question mark. There's no way in hell. And for those people that want the Niners to lose and are openly cheering for them to lose, I have nothing to say to you. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. Get off my timeline. Seriously. I'm not going to support that attitude. I'm not going to support that thought. You shouldn't even be watching the games if you openly cheer for your team to lose. I'm sorry. And that's where we're at right now, Al. And both the team and the fan base here, we're kind of, we're kind of at, the, at a breaking point where the fans are like, oh, we should tank for a quarterback. For what? What are they going to do? Is it going to change the way that Kyle Shanahan schemes his plays? I don't know, because injuries certainly haven't, certainly haven't changed the way he schemes his plays. He's still doing the same stuff he was doing when Jimmy was the quarterback and he was, when he was healthy in the first week. Like he's not, call, he's not calling any new sort of uh, – look, uh, he called – he waited until there were six minutes left in the fourth quarter and the Niners were down multiple scores to even call a deep throw. Like, where's that in the beginning of the game? Why are we waiting three and a half quarters to see that? Like, who cares if Nick Mullins throws the interception? You've got to make something happen. You can't play the entire season in a 15-yard box. And that's what they did. They've been doing that. They did it against New Orleans. Mullins was really good on the first two drives, really, really good at finding, uh, finding guys that were open and fitting the ball into tight spots. But eventually, in the ebbs and flows of game, teams adjust. And you have a team right now in the 49ers, a team, I'm not going to put it on Kyle alone, a team that is not adjusting. Like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, dude, like you couldn't find a way to block 22 and he was coming at you all game. And he, the only time that they actually were able to deal with him is after he got hurt. He was killing you the entire game on safety blitzes. You couldn't put a tight end. Like Hobby tweeted it out and I, and I retweeted it. I was like, you can put a tight end on that side or chip him or at mm-hmm. least do something, roll the protection away from him when you know he's coming. Like these things, like they, did, they were not able to do this in this game and that's exactly why they lost. And Trent Williams said after the game that the Saints used timely slot corner blitzes that wasn't on prior film in order to limit the outside zone attack. So why the hell didn't you adjust? But don't don't listen to me. Let's listen to what Dante Whitner had to say about this on about the Niners adjusting on NBC Sports. So let me pull this up for you here. I think a lot of times these runs are designed for the speed of Raheem Mostert, especially with those toss screens that are designed to cut inside and then get back to the sideline. And then another thing, CJ Gardner Johnson. How many times can a nickelback blitz, hit your quarterback three times, sack him once, hit the running back two or three times for TFLs? That's the reason why they couldn't run the football. How can you allow allow the smallest guy on the football field to wreck your entire running game? I'm starting to think that on the offensive side of the ball and the defense side of the ball, they can't make adjustments mid-game. I I mean, that's that's pretty damning. Mm -hmm. That's pretty damning to hear that out of Whitner about the adjustments and it and it, it does it, it makes you worry they're not making the adjustments they're not getting creative Zane they ran for 100 they've run for 156 yards in the last three games combined combined can you even fathom that after last year after what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan's running game they've run for 156 yards in the last three games I think it was it's been like 55 52 and then 49 today absolutely atrocious and you look at this offensive line oh my god i know they're playing with like their fourth string center i i i do get that who played a, a left guard today mckivitz is that, is that who they, they tried it out there today yeah it doesn't matter at this point the rookie yeah and and so but those two brunskill playing out of position and mckivitz aside mike mcglinchy you took with the ninth overall pick you drafted him you made him a captain to be a cornerstone has he lifted his play during these injuries? 
No. No, he hasn't. He's been a good run blocker. Well, obviously not good enough past three games. But overall, he's been a good run blocker, but he has not been a good pass blocker. And how many times have we seen him on his back? He has not stepped up. He has not been the rock that the Niners needed him to be. This offensive line is also in shambles, where I, I, don't, see, I, I don't see how they could extend him and give him big money. Mm-hmm. That's a waste of money, as far as I'm concerned. So you re-sign Trent Williams, who's 32. Tomlinson, has been, he has been good when he's had other people around him. You got those two guys, and then, and then what? You don't have a center. You don't have a guard. You'll see, you'll see what McGlinchey does next year, but the future, I don't know. That offensive line has been absolutely, absolutely in shambles. And again, I thought that was going to be a strength going in this year. I really did. And now, again, just another thing. Uh, they just, there's so many needs. There's so many things that have been disappointing on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, yeah, we've had our complaints with Armstead and, and Ward or whatever, but they, a lot, most of the time they played pretty scrappy and they hung in there. The offense, Kyle Shanahan, right? Oh, can scheme anybody open? Apparently not. Can scheme any running game? Apparently not. Not making adjustments, as we just heard Dante Whitner saying, that's the scary thing to me. The defense, I'll start with the defense and we'll get to Kyle in a second because we've been and uh, we've been talking about Kyle enough so far, but the defense, Robert Solid, I've been critical of him in the past, but he, if anybody deserves a pass this year, it's, it's Salah. That unit has been decimated by injuries to no end. Like they are missing, literally missing their best players. And it's not like Robert Salah is this defensive guru, like, like Wade Phillips and Rex Ryan and, and these guys. He's not, he's not at that level. He's, he's a, a good defensive coordinator, but he's not a guy that can like become like a, like a head coach at some point uh, based off of his, his defense alone. Right. Like he's, he's also a motivator and things like that, that make it, may make him a head coach. But I think that he's got a couple more years before he becomes a head coach at this, basically at this level. And the job that he's done with the 49ers defense, like today it's not on the defense. I'm with you. Like you said, they get a pass. They totally get a pass for me because New Orleans got the ball several times deep in 49ers territory, and the Niners defense either held them to a field goal. They created a turnover. By the way, I think Jimmy Ward's job is gone, Al. What do you think of that? I think Tavares Moore is going to be your safety next year, free safety. What do you think about that? Uh, I think they have to be. I'd have to look at Ward's contract to see if they could walk away or not. But I think that you have to go with, again, he, Ward dropped another interception today. Isn't it an interception in four years now? Mm-hmm. Ward makes plays. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, Moore makes plays. I know Ward is, is technically sound. He makes good ta- things in that. I, he just doesn't make enough big plays to me to stay in there for the amount of money that he's making. He just doesn't. He's solid. I'll agree with that. He is a solid player, but he's not a difference maker. He's not a playmaker. You could get solid play for a lot cheaper to me, especially when you're in salary cap issues next year. To me, you can go elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm over that same sort of thought process where Tavares Moore actually forced a fumble at the end. I mean, Ward was in that on that play too, but Moore forced that fumble at the end of Taysom Hill, who's just oh, I, I, I cannot stand Taysom Hill. Like I just he's just the, the, that guy is just the, comparing him to Steve Young and all this stuff. I just it just totally put me off of him. So, anyways, that's neither here nor there. So, Tavares Moore, I think that he had the interception in the Super Bowl as well as we know off of Patrick Mahomes and tip pass and and uh, what we thought would have sealed the game and. He's just one of those guys that flies around and makes plays. Like he's he's supremely fast. He has elite speed. It's just a matter of him getting developing instincts. And I and I hope that the Niners can find figure it out at free safety and get a guy that can make plays there because essentially that's really what you need in this defense. And that's kind of what's been lacking out of this defense is that they don't 
they don't have a free safety that can make plays. And that's kind of what makes it go. Like when Seattle ran this with Earl Thomas, granted, he's one of the best free safeties of all time, but when they ran it with Earl Thomas, he made a ton of plays for them. And that's why they were able to make it work. So I think that, yeah, they, they, they can upgrade there and they, they probably will let Ward walk if that contract gives them out in the offseason because they need salary cap relief to be able to re-sign guys like Fred Warner and maybe Trent Williams as well if his, if his deal um, is going to fit under the cap. Now, the job that Saul has done with the rest of the defense, I mean, it's been fantastic. Kerry Hyder flashed again today. I think that he's earned mm-hmm. himself on, on the roster next year. He was great. Absolutely. Javon Kinlaw played probably his best game that I've ever seen him play on the Niners today. He had, he had his first career sack constantly in the backfield, tipped a pass. He was a problem today. He was a real problem. And I think that this is what the Niners envisioned with him coming here. And I think that's really encouraging for us fans because we want to see that. Like, he's not going to be Buckner, but to see him kind of flash today and, and be dominant at times was really nice. It was the first time this season I saw him, like, consistently flash, which is great. And as the season goes on and the last six games kind of conclude, I think that we're going to see a lot more from him. Regarding the rest of the defense, or what can you say? Like, it's not... It's not on them. I mean, I think that they're getting a lot of experience here. At some of the youngsters are, but really, your your offensive line is terrible right now. Your quarterback play is really bad. Like you said, the play calling has been questionable at best. And those are things that aren't going to get fixed with one draft. Those are things. Those are some serious problems. Like, it, how many years did it take to assemble this offensive line? Al it took three years to get them to the point that they were last year when they had a Super Bowl offensive line. I'm not saying it's going to take that long again, but you're going to need time for an offensive line to gel too. That's, that's a big thing. And maybe without a training camp, they haven't gelled, right? Maybe we can talk about that. Like maybe given an excuse, they, they didn't have time, but really they're terrible and they've been terrible and it affects your quarterback play. Mullins is shaking the pocket. Jimmy, as we know, is shaking the pocket. Like no quarterback is going to be successful here. And that's the group that has to get better. If Kyle finds a quarterback and finally settles on one, that's going to be the group that's going to basically take them there as the offensive line because no quarterback is going to do anything without being able to throw. And I'm not talking about like the CJ Beathard. Oh, he finally had time and he threw, he over, he underthrew his receiver on a third and 21. I'm not talking about one or two plays a game. I'm talking about giving your quarterback consistent time to be able to throw. Like I want his Jersey clean by the end of the game. And that's just not happening right now. And they don't have quarterbacks who can play off the cuff and make plays happen when things break down. They don't. Does Kyle that's let the way them? the NFL's is Kyle gonna let them though? Well, but I think that's the way the NFL is going now. I think he's gonna have to let them. When you see you see what, how Kyler Murray won the game today. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh Which might have been the play of the year. Yeah. Probably was the play of the year. And I mean Hopkins mm-hmm. is is outstanding as well. But you know, Murray runs scrambles to his left with time winding down and chucks it 50 yards downfield. And mm-hmm. Hopkins jumps up over four other guys and makes the play. That's the way the NFL is going. You have guys who can who can make plays like that run around even josh allen he's not gonna do two horrible interceptions but he, he threw that game winning touchdown mm-hmm. the niners don't have a guy like that who could run around and make plays like that that's the way the nfl is going real quick on the defense if i told you that the niners defense was going to give up 237 total yards 4.2 yards per play only 123 yards passing 17 first downs two for 12 on third down and they were going to lose Probably would have said you're crazy, right? They were going to give up 27 based on those because they got put in such bad positions. It was just a really bad game. And that's just the thing. And I just keep coming back to it. It was a winnable game. And, and they didn't lose because of injuries. They lost because they were sloppy. And you mentioned building the offensive line. What, are the, what is there, like 31 free agents on this team or something like that next year? Yeah. 
we may now have to look at this team. We talked about, you know, this is a playoff team, this is a Super Bowl team. Do they take a step back and, and I don't want to say rebuild, but maybe they have to look to rebuild certain positions. Do you go with Sherman next year or do you go with younger guys? Who do you, do you bring back Quan Williams? What are they going to do? Because right now, Zane, it just, it, it just does, this doesn't look sustainable to me at all, at all. Um, we'll find out more as guys get healthy towards the end of the season if they make a run, but I think the Niners are in flux. I really do. And we're about to find out how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan really is to me. And the reason why is because you are going to have to build a plane as it's flying, so to speak, or repair a plane as it's flying, so to speak, because they are not a bad team. The four, so this is, I want to make it clear that they're not back in 2017 where they have no talent on the roster and they're, they're the worst team league. They're not anything near that. They're a, a much, much better team. Right now, with the current roster, with the injuries, I'd say they're closer to like a 6-10 and 10 team. And if everybody was healthy, you could say that they were a 10-win team. Right? That's, that's kind of what we had them at. But when a lot of those guys are leaving, like Witherspoon's basically gone, we know that. Mosley, Sherman, Kwan Williams, Joukowsky, Tart are all free agents. And that's the, a good bulk of your secondary. You've got other guys that you need to re-up. You've got Warner that needs an extension. You, in two years, are going to have to start thinking about a Bosa extension as well if you want to keep him. And that's going to be a $100 million plus contract, which I don't know if they're going to pay him or not because the, the way that the Niners hand out contracts, we never know. You've got a, basically you've got a quarterback that you're going to have to pay next year, whether it's Jimmy, whether it's a replacement, whether it's a rookie. Somebody's going to get that salary, and you're going to have to probably sign a backup as well. And you need to replace three three positions on your offensive line, plus at least two receivers with the four and the five slots, which is like a a minimal sort of cap hit. But your thought of like the roster being in flux, it's true, because now you're transitioning away from the team that went to the Super Bowl and into another younger team that hopefully wins a Super Bowl now. And how the Niners are going to do that, I really, that's, that's why they get paid the big bucks. But I look at some of the personnel decisions, like Kyle Shanahan has specific ideas with how he wants his running backs. And I think that you could plug any running back into the system, it'll be successful, except for Jarek McKinnon, because he's just not, he's just too slow. He has no burst. But if you, if he loves those one cut guys like Mostert, Matt Breda, and by the way, Al, they traded away Matt Breda, but kept Jarek McKinnon. That's something to be said. I know Reed has only averaged three and a half yards a carry this year, but he excelled in this system because he was a one-cut runner. Mm-hmm. And Kyle basically got kind of disenfranchised with him when he fumbled a couple times late last season, one of those games I was there for in the Atlanta game. And he basically sat the bench for the rest of the year and played special team. Another guy, uh, Salvon Ahmad, who is now the running back in, in uh, Miami, was also let go in training camp because he was kind of putting the ball on the ground, so Kyle didn't like that. He's averaging over five yards a carry right now for Miami. I mean, he's only played two games, but really, like, he's, he's kind of stepping into his own over there. So, to me, like, that's one, one thing is, like, okay, well, they bet on McKinnon improperly. Like, that was not the right way to go, and we kind of saw that, but they did it anyways. And the second thing is, encouraging thing is, is that you can find running backs quicker than ever before. So, I don't think that McKinnon's replacement is going to be a big deal. Like, you've got Jeff Wilson as well, right, who's, who's going to be back with the team next year, no doubt. But I, I think that you can replace some of these guys easier than others, right? Kwan Williams, I think that's probably Sherman and Williams were the hardest to replace if they let them go, in my opinion, because Kwan Williams has been one of the best slot corners, if not the best slot corner in the NFL in the past couple of years. And then Sherman is like, you know, Pro Bowl, All Pro Hall of Fame corner on one side. Like, how do you replace that? 
Uh, do you do it with, with Verrett? Do you do it with a draft pick? Do you do it with another free agent? Like, it's going to be super interesting to see what, what they do. And granted, like, this season's not over yet, and they could pull a miracle and make the playoffs and, and do some damage. But really, for all intents and purposes, like, we're kind of looking at the next season because no matter what happens this season, Al, there's still a ton of guys that they need to re-up. Born being another one of them. So Born as well. So he, I forgot about him. So they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to to see where they go. They there is still a good base when you when you have Ayuk and you have Samuel and you have Moster and you have so Kittle. Obviously, there's there's going to be a good base moving forward for for the skill positions on offense. There is there is, but the elephant in the room, you don't have a quarterback. So it's great that you have all those guys. Do they bring Jimmy back? You know, we've been over this a million times. We're not going to keep rehashing it. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens with that. We may we may rehash it. I'm sure we'll talk about Garoppolo a million more times, but um, we'll see what happens there. But there are the skill position guys there. We got to see on the O line. Bosa coming back is going to elevate everyone's play. We we know that. But look, they've handed out some pretty shitty contracts. They really have. We talked about Ritzburg, Armstead, Ward, bad because there's been McKinnon. There's been some bad contracts. Even D Ford. I, I put out a stat today. I looked. So the defensive ends. I was looking at sacks productions for defensive ends. Guys who are coded as a defensive end. So not outside linebackers like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, they're technically outside linebackers. Aaron McDonald, DeForest Buckner, they're, they're defensive tackles, but like DN. So like Bosa, Cam Jordan, and the sack totals were, were, were lower than you would think for a lot of these guys. But the Niners have the seventh and eighth highest paid defensive ends, Ford and Armstead. They both make about $17 million apiece. So they're paying $34.1 million and they've got a sack and a half out of those two guys this year. I mean, that's just not good finances right <laughs> it's just you're just not getting your bang for your buck there Quan alexander was making a lot of money i didn't get anything out of him i know mckinnon made less this year but they had paid him a lot of money not getting anything out of him richburg's making a ton of money he's been hurt they're not getting anything out of him and we talk about availability the guys that the niners bring in we always say is it the training staff is it the players well they got to keep start keeping these guys on the field whether it's garoppolo or whoever else this team has to get guys who are durable can't go through this every year because they've been through it a lot. I know last year they were most most mostly healthy, but this year, the year uh, 2018, injuries, injuries, injuries. They have to get guys who are available and be on the field. That's got to be a big thing to this offseason. Yeah, I think the key should be to look at guys' past injury history and like if guys have not been hurt and if guys have been able to complete full seasons, those are the guys that they need to really fill out in terms of both depth and also finding starters too. Because if you look at it, like they they re-signed Tart, they re-signed Ward, neither of whom who have finished an entire 15 game season in their career, and that's gonna. I think Tart played 15 games once, and beyond that, he's never he's never played 16. Uh, Ward played 14, I think, at one point, uh, but neither of them has played a full season, and they bet on those guys, and not surprisingly, they're, they're hurt. Um, when you look at like even Jimmy had had some injury issues before coming into uh, San Francisco. He had injury issues with shoulder in New England. It was not able to continue after those two starts. Um, and obviously Mostert, he had that broken arm in 2018 when they started trying to give him the load. And then uh, he was mostly a special teams guy until late in the season last year and got hurt again this year. Uh, Tevin Coleman was hurt last year, got hurt again this year. So at some point, it's they they need to pick up guys that have been sustained sort of uh, players for a long time and not really long time. And I know it's hard to find. It's easier said than done because like injuries are empire. But that has to be a focus for them. 
It has to. Like you've lost so many players to injury and so much of your salary cap is sitting on IR right now that it makes you non-competitive because not only do you not have these guys on the field, they're also eating up your salary cap so you can't even work. And that means making hard decisions like okay, letting Rich, letting Western Richburg go. Or maybe are they moving on from Jimmy because he can't stay on the field? Are they moving on from Tart because he can't stay on the field? Things like that. Uh, and those are decisions not to make. And I think it starts with the offensive line, number one, replacing players. Number two, you have to replace your secondary or bring guys back. And number three, you have to figure out what's going on with quarter, your quarterback position. So if that's the case, really, like you, you, you know, like I, I don't know how they're going to start this because it's like oh, you need you have a limited amount of draft picks next year. You have one less because Trent Williams is gone, or the the third for Trent Williams is gone. And what are you going to do? Are you going to trade a player for that pick back, or what are you going to do? So really interesting to see. Also, Al, I looked it up. So the whole quarterback carousel thing because I saw <laughs> I just randomly realized that CJ Beathard came for that one throw, and I, I freaked out because I'm like, oh, what's Kyle Shanahan benching? Um, Mullins for in the middle of a drive, but it was only literally from the throw. But this whole idea of the, the Kyle Shanahan not being able to settle on a quarterback kind of takes me back to his dad and, and what he did in Denver. So his quarterbacks in Denver were Elway, as we know, he inherited him and won two mm-hmm. balls with him. Elway retired in 98. Then he got Greasy in 99, had four seasons with Greasy, uh, then went to Jake Plummer in 2003. Uh, Plummer was there for basically three and a half seasons, and then they uh, had Jay Cutler. They tra- they drafted Jay Cutler in uh, 2006, I believe, and then Cutler was there. So over the course of his career, Mike Shanahan had, after Elway, which was basically um, 10 years, he had three quarterbacks in 10 years, which is not bad, but like you're changing quarterbacks every three years, which isn't ideal. So this is basically year three of Jimmy, right? This is his third year, so mm-hmm. not like maybe replacing him after this year. I'm saying that uh, kind of fits in line with what his dad did. Yes, after three years, so we'll see. We'll see. It absolutely does. Yeah, so it definitely does, and that's that's the frustrating part. And and we'll see where he goes from here because, like you said, it's the next quarterback's got to be the one. But I do want to say, kind of before before we we wrap this up, that it's okay to be frustrated right now. It's not you're not less of a fan if you're pissed. It's okay to be frustrated at the product you've seen on the field, injuries or not. And it's okay to be frustrated that this team could very well be on its way to its fifth 10 lost season in the last six years. That's Cleveland Browns territory. Okay. So I don't care what the scenarios are. I don't, I don't want to hear when it, when it gets this bad for this long. I know they made the Super Bowl last year, but right now that year is the outlier. So let's let's see how they finish out this season when they're healthy. Look, if they're four and six right now, if they end up eight and eight, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a finish for where they are. I'll, you know, I'll take it. That means they battled. That means maybe even seven and nine, right? If they go three and three the rest of the way, you could say, okay, they battled through this. If this is like a six and ten, five and eleven year, to me that means they folded. It really does, and it means that when they lost their studs, they couldn't find ways to scrap winnable games together. And I'm not talking about the Packers game where they had no business being on the field. Or the Seattle game when they kind of got their doors blown off. This was a winnable game. It was a, I cannot stress it enough. It was a winnable game. They lost it because they played sloppy and threw it two of the three phases. Yeah. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. But if the rest of the year is like today, I think there's huge question marks. And I, I, I'll tell you, I've been, I think I've been pretty rational, but maybe I'm just angry because it's right after the game. But there's a lot of questions that need to be answered over the next, whatever it's going to be, 13, 14 months for me after what I've seen lately. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, look, we have to also, as fans, temper our expectations too. Like a lot of people are kind of being unreasonable here. And like, I see just uh, scrolling through my Twitter feed right now. I see a lot of people kind of exonerating Kyle Shanahan for this game and saying, Oh, he did his job. No, he didn't do his job. Cause if he did, his, if he did do his job, they would have won and they would have been, this would have been a closer game. And if the special teams did their job, this would have been a closer game. So it's not on one person. It's not on Kyle. It's not on the special teams. It's not on one person. It's a team. And some people don't realize that they want to, they want to, basically exclude some people from the blame for whatever reason. Like, I don't know if they have a special affinity for them or whatever it is, but like, you can't, you can't exclude anybody from the blame here today. Ironically, except for Jimmy, right? I'm sure this is Jimmy's fault somehow too, right? Like people love to blame, (laughs) right? So I'm sure that somehow this is Jimmy's fault as well, right? That they lost this game. But ironically, for once, he's the one person that does not deserve any blame for today. I mean, I guess you, you can say he got hurt. So yeah, it's his fault, but I mean, for what happened on the field today, that's up to the coaches and players. That's on them. They didn't execute. And for people say that, that say that the coaches did their job, the results don't reflect that. And when people say, oh, like, the players messed up, well, you know what? It's the coach's job to put the players in a position to succeed. And if they're not being creative enough, if they're not doing their job, how are the players supposed to do, do their own job? It's a shared responsibility. And people don't realize that. And I think that as fans... When we have our frustrations, we have to be able to put those things together. You can't decouple that. You can't just live in a vacuum where the coach is basically living in their own world, and what happens to the team is not reflective on, of them. That that what kind of world do we live in? Like that that that's not even accurate. So, whatever's going to happen in the next, like you said, twelve to eighteen months. I mean, we'll see what happens and what this team looks like. But they've got some serious questions, and as fans, we have some a lot of rightful frustrations, a lot of people that are having differing views, but in the reality of it is Al, that they're not winning. They're not winning consistently anymore. They've got four wins this season. Three of them came from Jimmy, but they've got four wins this season. And there's a whole lot more losses coming they're, They may win the two games against the, the, the Washington franchise, which I mean, I can't even think of a crazier storyline than Alex Smith coming in and beating the 49ers. Like I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he's going to do it. I think they'll win both of those games, but like beyond that, it's like, well, you've got the Rams, you've got the Cardinals, you've got Seattle, you've got the bills, you've got all of these teams that are really, really good. And you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> so you can't compete. I agree that you can't compete without a quarterback, but Al, this is Kyle's room that he drafted and groomed himself. Like he signed right. off, he signed off on all of those moves. Like and it's been no, three. It's been three years of this QB room now. They've been there for, here for three years. Exactly. Like he can't escape blame for those people that that are trying to absolve him of any blame in this. He can't escape blame in this. He's he's also to blame in this. Yes, this is the player's job to execute, but it's the coach's job to recognize what players can fill their their scheme and fit the system. So I hope that this is a great learning experience for everybody. I'm, I'm encouraged by some of the things that I see. I'm encouraged by Kyle and his game plan at the beginning of the game coming out and having a fantastic game plan. I'm encouraged by that. I think he can build on that. And if he does that next year, they'll frankly, the Niners will be unstoppable. If he does that next year consistently, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Brandon Ayuk is looking like a true legit stud and a number one receiver. I mean, he looks fantastic. If you get him a quarterback that can get him the ball, I mean, that's a thousand yard receiver getting out of bed. Right. Jordan Reed right. looks like he's going to be on the team next year. 
Like he's he had a really good game. He had that phenomenal one-handed catch. So there are a lot of reasons for optimism here. We talked about Kinlaw earlier, but there's a lot of reasons for optimism here. We're not like it's not all doom and gloom, but we're at a crossroads here now, right? Where the Niners have to decide what they're going to do and where they're going to go for the next couple of years at this point with all these free agent signings that are pending and the quarterback situation that's unsettled. So I'm weary of this. And part of me is excited because like change brings like excitement. But part of me is like, man, I hope they get it right. I really do. And you look at the losses they've had this year too. Three of them, they beat themselves. Call it what yeah. it is. Arizona, they beat themselves. Philadelphia, they beat themselves. Today against Philly or today against New Orleans, they beat themselves. So mm-hmm. it's frustrating. They're self-inflicted wounds. This could still be a seven and three team despite all the, the issues. And it's not. It's been a shit show. This whole season has been a shit show. This whole year has been a shit show. Everything's a shit show. So that's where I'm at right now. So this it's good to get it. A- <laughs> what was that? <laughs> This is this as long as this show isn't that, that's all I care about, right? Maybe this was a shit show today. I don't know. I just think we were just getting our frustrations out, but it's good. To, I guess it's good to have a platform to do it on. So whatever. I'm pissed. I wanted to come out and and say why I'm pissed. You can agree. You can disagree. I don't know. I don't have anything else to add. But I do want people to think about this that we said it, and I'm about to tweet this out because I think it's a great question that we just came across sort of organically here. Honest question for everybody. The 49ers have had the same QB room for the last three years, last three years, and it's deteriorating. Just what do you think about that? Just think about that, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I got nothing else saying. I, I, I don't know if you do. I just, I don't know. I'm going to go have a drink and watch the Sunday night game and just try to forget that it happened. Fair question. And I'm going to sign off by saying that I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe he's a good head coach. I believe that he will be the one to give the Niners their next Super Bowl trophy, whenever that is. But that won't happen unless he improves on certain things that he's not doing well right now. Just like anybody else, just like any other coach, there's room for improvement. I have faith in him. I believe in him. And my criticism of Kyle Shanahan is coming from a place of seeing the potential and wanting them, wanting him to improve. And anybody who's a parent knows this, is that when you see the potential like in your kid, and you see that they're super intelligent, and you're like, and they're doing like dumb stuff. And like, come on, man, you're better than that. That's literally where it's coming from. It's like, dude, I know you're better than this. I've seen better than this from you on this team earlier this year. That's why I expect better. And I think that that's not an unreasonable thing to, do, to, to, to want is to want him to be better and to want him to have this team ready to play and to want him to win games like this. And I don't think at all that he should be fired. There's no way in hell that he should be fired. No way. He is the coach going, going forward as he should be. He just needs to clean a few things up and hopefully right the ship and they'll be just fine. Because I feel like if he does get those things fixed, there's no stopping him. He's that, he's that intelligent and he can be that good of a head coach. I see that potential and I, and I really hope he realizes it. And that's all I'll say. That's, um, I'm done too. <laughs> ben, yeah. Yeah, it's cathartic. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, for all our sanities, let's, let's hope it works out that way. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for kind of putting up with Zane and I just kind of getting it all out there and being pissed on a Sunday and we'll see. Maybe it's a good thing we did it on a Sunday night. Maybe it's not. Usually we have a few days to cool off, but thanks everybody for listening. For Zane, this is Al. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.